We're going to be opening in the Bible to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. We've been discussing for the last couple of weeks the concept in the Word of God of binding and loosing. That binding and loosing is not just a, of a matter of I bind this and I loose that. But it is a matter of how we live, how we think, how we operate in this earth. And how we live and how we operate in this earth determines what is opened up to us and what is closed off to us. Last week we told you we're going to look at a particular person who lived their life in such a way that the door was open for certain things to happen. We're going to take a look at that, how we can live our life in a certain way so that these things can be open for us. Sometimes we want to sit back and we say, how come this is working for this person? How come this goes for this person, but not for me? No, no, no. That's not the way that it is in the Word of God. Over in the book of Genesis, chapter 37. It's been a while since we looked at the life of Joseph. One of my favorite things we, we did some time ago, and I thought it was shorter, ended up being about 12 years ago we went over the life of Moses or, or Joseph. I thought it was uh, less time than that. But what an example he is. And as you're turning there and getting up on the screen, chapter 37, some of the things about Joseph. Joseph was never stated to be a type of Christ. And yet, if we look at his life, we'll see a number of things that resemble a type of Christ. That first off, Joseph was rejected due to the fact that the people around him did not accept the authority that sent him. He did not start his ministry, did not become prominent in what he was to do until he was 30 years old, just as Jesus did. To the brothers, Joseph appears to be harsh. Remember when Joseph is up there in his position? And the, and the brothers see him as harsh. He's a harsh man. He's hard. He's, he's, uh, we, we don't want to go to him again. Because they didn't get to know him as a provider. They only got to know him as a judge. What Joseph did for his brothers, while they did not know him, was he provided for them in every way that he could. In verse 1, Now Jacob dwelt in a land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilah and the sons of Zilpha his father's wives. And Joseph went and brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age also. He made him a tunic of many colors. Now this, uh, we've covered this before. This tunic of many colors has specific meaning and is not just necessarily a very colorful coat. But we see that he was a favorite and he came and he brought back a bad report. Joseph is around 17 years old right now, and he brings back a bad report. So the thought has gone out, is Joseph a tattler? Does he just come back and tattle on his, on his well, I went back there to see them, and, and uh, they just weren't doing very, very good. Joseph is, in, Joseph is in charge of the brothers. He's in charge of the brothers, not because he's the favorite son. He's in charge of the brothers because he's shown he can handle it. And if you're 17 years old, you've been dealing with your brothers all this time, 
I think the possibility is far greater that Joseph had been dealing with his brothers, trying to get them to be productive so that the family was productive because if his brother or his father has tasked him with the idea of making the flocks productive, then, and he's overseeing that, then what they do directly affects that production and his job. Now, if you've been a supervisor over people and you have certain people who aren't operating the way that they should, aren't uh, up to par, aren't doing the things they need to do to make the business succeed, how many of you approach them first? You need to get this fixed. Come on, you need to do this differently. You're not doing it right. This is how you need to be doing it. And if they continue to refuse to listen to any of that, then what do you have to end up doing? You have to end up going to the supervisor and saying, look, these guys are just not doing a job because if you don't, the supervisor is going to think you're not doing your job. You're not doing it very well because these things are, are going on. So more than likely, Joseph had been trying to deal with his brothers on a, on a level with them to get them to the place where they could be productive. Then the family's business would be productive. But they didn't probably listen. And so he had to bring a bad report of him to his father. Father, I've told them this. I've worked with them in this. They just, they're not receiving from me. They're not receiving the authority that you had put me in. I don't know what else to do with them. And he brought a bad report to them. Now these brothers, as we could see, they lived in a certain way that you could see why they had a bad report about them. They were very selfish, very into just what was going to benefit them. And Joseph has shown himself not to be that. And he's trying to get them to, to change this, this area. His father gave him a, a special coat. Sometimes we've read this and you've been here long enough. You've been through this before. But we'll just go over it again with you. This is not a, necessarily a coat of many colors. This very well could mean a long-sleeved coat. And if you had a long-sleeved coat on in this day, you were the, basically the manager. You were the overseer. So when his father gave him the cloak, he gave him a cloak of authority. You run my business. Run the, the flocks. I want you to run everything, have it all, all go, go on. The, other place, the only other place we find this is in 2 Samuel chapter 13. And it talks about Tamar. It showed her royalty. She had this long sleeve coat on. And when she was uh, violated and her virginity was taken away, she tore the long sleeves off. Because she saw herself as that rank, that, that place that she was at was no longer there. But the coat that she had had, had long sleeves on it. As we said, such a coat would be worn by management. They would be considered management. Verse 4, But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Have you ever had people that no matter what you say to them, you go up to them and talk to them, that there's just no peace about them. They're just always just nasty. They had been this way with Joseph and it was getting worse and worse and then they saw that he was the favorite. At least they appeared to... Uh, he got um, more stuff, his father favorite. Well, w would you not favor him more if he was... Uh, his conversation was peaceable. He was productive. He did your wishes. He did the things you want and these other ones were not. And if you've uh, read the rest of Genesis, which I'm sure... Most of you have over this period of time. You know that the first four had already disqualified themselves from a place of authority because of the things that they had done. In actually, the first three, they were down to the fourth, fourth oldest. And even he had done some things that weren't all that uh, spectacular. So these guys had shown themselves to not be great character people. And certainly God needed to fix that. 
and would be working toward, on them to try and do so. Verse 5, Now Joseph had a dream. He told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheep rose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the star, 11 stars bowed to worship me. So he told it to his father and brothers, and his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now go back over here to the first dream. Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. Verse 7. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheep. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. So the first dream that he had was that his brothers would come and bow down. The second dream that he had is that his brothers and his mom and his dad would come down. And if you're like most people, you have the same interpretation of this dream as his brothers. Now, his brothers are not spiritual people. And yet for many, uh, I don't know how long, but most people just read this story and they say, well, this is a dream telling Joseph that he's going to be a ruler. This is not a dream telling Joseph he's going to be a ruler. This is not a dream trying to prepare Joseph for being a ruler. This is not a dream trying to get his family to repair that he's going to rule over them. has nothing to do with that at all. But most people came out with that thinking and never understood that the rest of the story is all about these two dreams. All the story of Joseph is about these two dreams. And all the people took from it was, well, he's going to be a ruler. And they missed all the things that were going on. The thing about this dream was that it was done in, t in two parts. And other times we see that Joseph heard dreams and they were in two parts. Even in the prison, there were two dreams. And when the Pharaoh finally has his dream, he has two dreams. And the one dream is followed by the second dream. And it's the interpretation of the two dreams, two dreams together that brings the impact of it. So Joseph is used to this, that two dreams together have a meaning when you bring them together, not when you treat them individually. So he knows this about it. And we'll just give you the, the heads up on this uh, ahead of time, because we're not really doing a whole series here on, on Joseph, just looking at this one. The dream has nothing to do with the rulership of Joseph. The dream has to do with him and his family. Now, if we're going to fast forward this, you probably already know the, the story of Joseph, probably already have it in there. You know, how many people have never read the story of Joseph, never read... All right, so we're all familiar with it. We don't have to go over all the details of it. But in the end, Joseph, when his brothers come, and we have ten brothers that come to him, and the ten brothers come and they, they did what? They bowed down to him. And they asked for the food, and he gave it to them. And, of course, they had their money put back in their sacks. Now they're afraid because they're going back, and, hey, our money was put back into our sacks. And so they came back down. And when they came back down, Joseph was dealing very harsh with them, very tough with them. And remember how many times Joseph had to go away. And uh, he cried at times. He was just sad that he couldn't just reveal himself to his brothers. Now, if you are torn about this, if you go away and have to move yourself away from a thing, from what you're doing, isn't it because you would rather do something else? 
than the thing that you're doing, that what you're doing is producing sadness. But what you want to do, Joseph wanted to reveal himself to his brothers. And he has to hold that back. Why does Joseph hold back revealing this to his brothers? So sometimes we look at this and say, well, he's getting revenge. They sold him into slavery. Now it's his, his turn. And that's not it at all. You see, Joseph, and all the time that he was by himself, was meditating on these dreams. And he came out with a different interpretation than most people did. He did not come out with an interpretation that said, this dream says I will be a ruler. He came out with the interpretation that said, you need to get your brothers to a place where they are restored. And so what is going to happen is that down the road, your brothers are going to come to you by themselves. And they will bow down to worship you. And then we need to get to a place where the brothers, the mom and the dad come down. So when he sees his brothers come and they bow down, he's not thinking, this is the situation and I'm the ruler. He's thinking, all right, the dream has begun. And God revealed to him, this is how you're going to restore your brothers. This is what you're going to do. Because God needed to restore the entire family, not just put Joseph into a position of authority. And so he went through this whole thing with his brothers. So his brothers were put in an opportunity where they could do the exact same thing and betray one of their brothers to save their own lives. And what happened was they rose up and they said, no, 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 don't do that. Take me. Take me. And, and even now, uh, I think the oldest, the, the one who was in the, the rulership, take me. I will be in his place. Don't take the youngest one. Don't take Benjamin because he made him bring Benjamin down with him. And when he made him bring Benjamin down with him, that's all the brothers now worshiping before him or bowing down before, not worshiping, but bowing down before him. That's all the brothers. And he's going to take Benjamin and he's going to keep him. That's when they put the whole thing with the, the silver and the different things that were in his sack. And they were going to take him back. And he said, no, 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 take me back. Take me back. Don't, don't take him. His, his father, that's the only son he has left of a, of a mother that he loved very much. No, don't, don't do that. Let him go back. I'll take his place and I'll take the punishment. And so what the brothers knew from that point on was if we are put in this situation again, we will not do it. We are changed people. And Joseph was able to bring him to that knowledge. And then he finally revealed himself and said, I am Joseph. How's mom and dad? <laughs> so he sent them home to get them and he brought them all back. And that's what the dream was about. Joseph, I need you to get ready because I have a task for you and you need to restore your family. You need to bring it back because there's some big things going on with your family and I need them all to be in a certain place. That's what the dream was about. But that's just a side note from what we want to get into on, on this. Do we leave off at verse 8? I didn't think we got that far. All right. Let's go on down. Let's see to um, verse 1 of chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Now the word there for Ishmaelites can also mean Midianites. If you're thinking there's not a whole lot of Ishmaelites right around this time, uh, the same word would mean Midianites as well. So it's probably who we sold to was the Midianites and they put it in here as Ishmaelites. But you could use the word both. I could show you some places in Scripture. Don't really need to take the time for that. You can always do a search on that word and find it yourself if you want to. But we skipped over all the part where he was sold into slavery and all the things that were done in that. But he's been taken into, uh, 
sold his slavery as a, as a slave, and he became an officer. It became uh, sold to Potiphar, who was an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard. So these are his position: officer of Pharaoh. He's captain of the guard. He is an Egyptian. He's not a foreigner. He's an Egyptian. So he bought him, took him on down to his house. It says in verse two, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. He was a successful man. Now he's a slave. How, as a slave, are you successful? That's what the Bible says, right? It doesn't say this about him when he's son and, and over the family. It says this about him when he is a slave. He is sold as a slave. He's put into this, uh, this guard's house. And he becomes, it, it says, and he was in the house. Of, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. So in his time there, he became successful. Now, when you first buy a slave, you bring him on in. You're going to be looking at what, what kind of skills does this particular slave have? What kind of abilities he have? We don't necessarily know that when you first buy the slave. So they brought him on in and he was looking at some things. Probably he's given some low-level things. How many of y'all had, remember back in your days when you first got a job? What kind of a job did you have? Were you a manager? No, when you first got a job, what did you do? Yeah. You wash dishes, you mop floors, nothing that you needed a whole lot of skill to do, just stuff that you, it was there to, needed to get done. You know, when I, I worked over at Ken's Pizza, took that job, I was hired as a cook. I spent most of my first days as a dishwasher, washing dishes and mopping floors. They don't know what I can do. I don't know what I can do in here. And I, I'm not, I don't, not trained up on how to do any, anything in particular. So I wash dishes and I mop floors. But you see, when you have a certain mentality about things like Joseph does, does, when you go in and you wash the dishes and you mop the floors, you do it a different way than anyone else does it. And you do it in such a way that they say, this is more than a dishwasher. Have you ever worked at a restaurant and had somebody who washed dishes and you knew they are no more than a dishwasher? That is their ceiling. That's as good as they get. They are a dishwasher. <laughs> They're just, they didn't have the, the capacity to do much else in there. That's what they were going to do. But some people, you watch them wash dishes and mop floors. And people look at that and say, well, what? This, look at the attention to detail. Look at how they're going after this. Look at how, how quickly they're trying to get this done. Look at how they're sensitive to the needs of the people up front. What kind of things do you need? Do you need silverware? Do you need bowls? Do you need plates? Do you need cups? What kind of things do you need? And they find out what kind of things are needed and make sure that they get those things over to them. There's just a different way they have of, of doing it. If you conduct yourself in this way, it will change how things, how things come to you. It will change. You will, you will no longer just receive the same things everything else, everyone else does. You will receive better things. Joseph became a successful person because they brought him into the house. They didn't put him over top of the house over the, right off the bat. They just had him doing probably changing sheets, sweeping floors, taking care of the, of the livestock. He knew some things about livestock. He could probably tell them, hey, I used to do some things with livestock here. I know some things how to do that. And so they went out there and did that. Maybe um, he, he did some things on rearrange, we can do this, we can do this, we can change it this way, and they'll become more successful. And they said, wow, that's, that's pretty in, intense. What else can we put in Joseph Ann? So more and more, he became moving on up and doing more things in the house until finally it got to this point. Let's go on there, our next verse here. 
Verse, um, the Lord was with Joseph. He was successful. In verse, uh, what, is, what verse is that? Three? Can't read it on the screen. And his master saw the Lord was with him. And the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hands. So the master saw that the Lord, he doesn't believe in the Lord. He's an Egyptian. He worships the idols of Egypt, not the Lord. But he was watching Joseph, and Joseph is very evident about his faith. I'm a Jewish person. I serve the Lord God, Jehovah. I'm sure he came right out and said all that. I'm not going to bow to these ones. I'm going to worship the Father. You can't make me do that. I will do your work. I will do the things you need me to do, but I'm not going to bow. I'm sure Joseph had said that to him. I'm not bound to these gods of Egypt. I serve the Lord. And so he saw that the Lord, his God, was with Joseph in everything that he did. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hands. So if everything that Joseph does prospers and you are Potiphar, what are you going to try and do? Put more in his hands. We need to get some more things and put it in his hands. Why does he do this? Because it's the same reason that his father put more in his hands because he saw that Joseph operated in a certain way, conducted himself in a certain way so that when you put something in Joseph's hands, it prospered. It also means this, no matter what you gave Joseph, he's ready to do it. Joseph, I need you to, to take over this aspect of the house. No problem, I'll do it. And he probably set out to do some research. How do I do that? How do I function with all these things so that he became ready? And he was, he was ready for this. He sometimes probably did some research and did say, hey, if we change some things on this, we'll make the business more prosperous. We'll become more successful. He said, go ahead and do that. And they went in and it became more prosperous and more successful. Wow, Joseph, that was great. What other ideas do you have? What other things do you think that, that you can do? You see, sometimes we're working in a corporation, we're working in a place, and we're seeing certain people being prospered, certain people soaring ahead of us. And we wonder, why do they soar ahead of us? They don't worship God. I think that, you know, it's, they know somebody, they're bribing somebody. We come up with all these kind of reasons. But folks, if you live a life the way Joseph did, it's impossible for you not to prosper and become successful because people are going to see it and people are naturally greedy. They want more for themselves. So if they can get more for themselves by putting more in your hands, guess what they're going to do? They're going to put more into your hands. That's what they're going to do. They want people that are ready. They want folks that are, that are ready to do it. Now, when I was uh, coming up, I was in a church, and they were, uh, I, was, I came on in, and uh, I didn't have any, any job at the church. I just came on in and was doing some things, and all of a sudden, the youth leader quit. And so the Lord dealt with me before they ever had approached me. They said, they're going to ask you to become the youth leader. I said, well, if they do, is it okay? I said, and he said, yeah, it's okay. Take it. So I took that position. They came to me and they said, will you, will you take over the youth group? Will you be youth leader? I didn't have to go away and pray about it. I already knew. I already heard from God. And so I went ahead and took it. So we did that. There was another position that came up later on. God said, they're going to approach you about this. And they did. And he said, it was okay to take it. So I took that. But one of the things that I... I was doing, I was mostly teaching with the, the youth and I began a, a whole new course over there. We taught to another whole another group of, of people, but it was on a different night. But I was, I was always getting myself ready, always preparing things. And so uh, at one point, they used to bring a lot of guest ministers in this church. A lot of guest ministers. A lot of confusion came out of that because you'd have people come in. They were never vented, vetted. They just were, were brought in. 
And we didn't find out, you know, what their views were, whether they were faith people, whether they're doubt and unbelief people. We never found that out. They, just, they called up the church pastor and said, yeah, come on in. <laughs> and they'd come on in and we'd find out what they had to do afterwards. And uh, it caused some problems. But sometimes, you know, they, they would do this and all of a sudden the person who was supposed to come in that night for the evening service wasn't there. And so the first time that happened and I was around, they said, uh, Steve, can you take it? I said, yes. I said, yes, right away. <laughs> and uh, I got something ready. I had a couple of hours to get something ready. But I was already ready with stuff, and I was, uh, I was good to go. And then after a while of that happening, they said, well, instead of going out and finding guest speakers for the evening service, Sunday evening service, how about if we just give it to Steve? So they gave the evening service to me. Now, the reason they did that was because I was ready. That's one of the things you've got to be, be ready for. You know, we've had some people over the years, we have different people that fill in when I'm gone or just uh, different times. We'll have a Wednesday night and have different people come in and fill in. And there are some people that along, along these years whose schedule was such that also allowed it. I mean, we have some uh, that if, if they could, they, they would. I mean, if I asked them, can you preach this Wednesday? Oh, yeah, yeah, if, if I could, I would. But, you know, my schedule is such I'm already scheduled for work. I already got to be there. And you can't do too much about that. I had a job that didn't have me scheduled during any time we would have churches. So I was... That was eliminated. That sometimes you you have that, but we've had some folks that uh, you know if something went on, I could call them up Wednesday morning and say uh, something's come up. Can you do the service tonight? Yep. <laughs> they just say yep, yep. We'll do it. And uh, and we have that even now. There are sometimes you just call somebody up and say, hey, can you do it? And as long as they're not working, yeah, they'll be they'll be ready to go. As long as they don't have something already on the schedule, they're ready to go. See, that changes some things. Because if you have that, if you have an opportunity that comes up, hey, we need somebody to fill in here at work. We have an opportunity for, for this. Who are you going to call first? Now, you think of this over at work. If you have a, a, a shift and an extra shift comes up and somebody comes over to you and says, hey, can you take this extra shift? And you say, no, I can't really take that. And then you start believing God. God, I need more money. <laughs> I need more money. I need more shifts. But you keep saying no to them, and they have an open shift that comes up. Guess who they're going to not ask? You see, by you constantly saying no, 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 what have you done? You have bound up on earth, not in heaven, on earth. You have bound up with that boss. Well, I'm not going to ask this person. At least I'm not my first choice because they're always busy. They always say no. They're going to go out and they're going to find people who say yes. They're going to find people who, who are excited about it. And so Joseph is one of these people. If you come to him and you say, Joseph, would you take this over in the house? He'll say, yes, absolutely. Take it over. And uh, he'll, do that. he'll do a great job with it, too. He will research it. He will find out what there is to do about this thing. And after he does such a great job with that, Potiphar is going to come over to him and say, Joseph, this is fantastic. Um, can you raise up somebody to start doing some of those things and maybe take on this area over here of the house? I sure can. In fact, I have somebody in mind right now. I'm going to turn over some of these things to them and I'll take over that part of the, of the business and we'll get that thing going too. And then they, he does that until pretty soon he is over the entire house. That didn't just happen. And it didn't just happen that his dad put him over all the, the business there. And gave him the coat of, of authority. Gave him the coat. Uh, he's the manager. It didn't just happen. It happened because this is how Joseph lived his life. He lived his life in such a way that he opened the door for these things to happen. You can live your life in such a way that you can open the door for these things to happen. And Joseph did it. 
So his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer over his house and all that he put under his authority. So he served him. Understand this, folks. <laughs> You've got you to have this attitude. You cannot have the attitude that says, well, everything the boss gives me is good, so that boss better give me more stuff. That boss is wrong for not giving me more stuff. No, he served the boss. He served Potiphar. That's how he lived his life. No, whatever you want, we'll go ahead and do it. See, if, you're, if you are in a, in a job and every time you are bucking the people above you, if they say, do it this way, I don't want to do it this way, I'm going to do it my own way. And every time you buck the authority and do it your own way, then they're going to say, well, this person does a great job and we really like what they do, but man, I just don't want to deal with the headache that's involved in dealing with them or putting anything more in their, in their hands. And so what you have done is you have bound up by your actions, by your words, and even by the thoughts that you have about them. You have bound up them from giving you more. Joseph didn't do it. Joseph, it says that he found favor in his sight and served him. And he made him overseer of his house. And all that he had, he put under his authority. That means Joseph could say, go, and he would go, come, and he would come. He would say, let's spend this on this, and he would, they would spend it. Joseph had all of the house under his authority, same way he had it back home. So in a matter of so many years, the entire household was under his authority, just as it was back in his own house, because of the way that Joseph lived. So it was from, time, from, the, from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Now understand this. Get this concept down. No matter who you work for, no matter how many idols they worship, as Potiphar probably was a worshiper of idols since he was Egyptian. No matter how much of that goes on, God will bless the house. He will bless the business because of you. Because if that business prospers, you prosper. So you can go in there and you say, Father God, I thank you for blessing upon this business because as this business is blessed, so am I. And you can play blessings down upon that. You may remember this story. I came into this concept back when I was working for Ken's Pizza. And so I began to, I think Brother Hagen taught us this, and not in this passage, but in other places, he had taught us some things like this. And so I began to pray for blessings to come upon Ken's Pizza at 31st and Garnett. That blessings of God would come down upon that place, and we would be busy. We wouldn't be unbusy. Have you ever been in a place that's not busy? They close up after a while. We, I prayed for blessings to come down upon that place, and we were getting busier and busier and busier. And I remember the day that I, I second-guessed myself on this, and I thought, I'm not going to do this quite as much as I had. It was a Thursday night. I remember it very, very vividly. It was a Thursday night, and we got on that Thursday a Friday night's worth of business. Now, in the pizza business, Friday night is your busiest day of the week. Saturday is your second busiest day of the week. Sunday and Thursday are about even. And then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday take up the rest of it. 
So Thursday and Sunday night are about even in the pizza business as far as business. Friday way ahead. When you have Friday night staff, just about everybody on staff is on hand Friday night between 5 o'clock and 8 o'clock. Then we start sending some people home. And then by 10 o'clock, more people go home. And then you close with the whatever staff that you have. But Friday night is the big night. Everybody is generally on on Friday night. If you need a Friday night off, yeah, it's, you get special permission. Because we need all hands on deck to handle that. And then Saturday night, not quite as bad. So we don't need everybody on, on hand then. But um, Thursday night, we had a Thursday night staff on for a Friday night business. And we, we got a Friday night's worth of business in there. Oh, we were swamped. It was everything that we could do to, uh, to handle this. And I was on the oven, so I couldn't help out on the make table. Uh, and we didn't have our main star make table guy who was Tony. I remember Tony. I talk about Tony all the time. He was not there. He's there on Friday nights. He was not there on Thursday nights. So we had to make table work with other staff. And we were trying to get on by. And it was, it was tough. We closed early on Thursday. Friday nights you stay open until midnight. I think Thursday we closed at... Um, 10 o'clock or something like that, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, somewhere around there, we closed on a Thursday night. We were there at the store cleaning up from all the mess, from all the things that happened because we couldn't do, you couldn't have dishwashers back there. Everybody had to be up handling the business. So the dishes were piled up and the place needed to be clean. It was just a mess. We did not get out of there until 3 a.m. in the morning. And I had to be up at 6 a.m. for school. So I went home after that and I said, you know what, I think I'm going to reconsider this <laughs> and we're not going to pray quite that much prosperity <laughs> on these things, especially on these nights because I need to go to school and I need to be fresh for, for school. This is the better thing. But you can pray blessings and prosperity on your business even if they are not born again because you are there. I bet you Joseph even went around and said, Potiphar, the Lord is blessing this house. Because I'm here. And whatever you put in my hands, it will prosper and it will succeed. And Potiphar probably put it to the test and saw, wow, this is amazing. Whatever you put in Joseph's hand, it just, it just gets better. And so they found an opportunity to put more in his hands. Where do we leave off at? Verse 6. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Did not know what he had. He didn't know what his bank accounts were doing. Joseph made the trips to the bank. Joseph made all the deposits. Joseph collected all the money from the, the people that paid him. Joseph did it all. All he knew was, well, I got this food in my, my plate. That's all I know that I got right now. Joseph has all the rest of it. And he was comfortable with that. He's okay with it being this way. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. That's kind of important to put in there because of what happens next. But just in case you're wondering, they're saying he's a good-looking guy. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. He has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I. Oh, he's saying that to the boss's wife. So it has to be true. 
There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. Now, I don't, I, you got to wonder about this. I'm going to get to heaven. You know, Joseph, he's one of the top guys on my list I want to sit down and talk to, because I'm sure the line is longer for the other people. I want to sit down and I want to have some conversation with Joseph. And I want to ask Joseph, is Joseph, did he really say, keep your hands off my wife? Or is that something you just assumed? Because I just can't see them doing, doing that to Joseph. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. Now, up until this point, I mean, he was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. At least a few years have gone by now. That's just, I'm just throwing a number out. Don't know that there's any logic to this number. Let's just say that maybe it was only three years. I think it was longer than that, probably upwards of around seven, uh, six or seven years. But let's just say for, it was three years. He's 20 years old, single, no prospects of dating. And she apparently is a beautiful woman. Throwing himself at her, at him. And day by day, this is going on. She's trying to get him. Now, I'm, if, if you're Joseph, and you know this is going on, you don't want this to go on, I am sure Joseph has brought some of the other staff in on this. Look, the missus is trying to get me into a corner here, and uh, I need your help. If you see me alone in the house in the room, if you see her coming, I need you to follow her in and get me out of there. I'm sure he's probably arranged this and has made it difficult for her to to get this. She's probably become wise to it. And she's probably looking for an opportunity where she can get the rest. She may have gone around to the other side of the staff and said, you need to go out to the stables. You need to go out to here and sent them all places so that she could be alone with Joseph. But it happened about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men in the house was inside. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them saying, See, he has brought in to us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to me to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Now, I am convinced. I'll ask Joseph about this when we get there. But I'm convinced that he brought the rest of the household in on this. So when she brings the rest of the household in, see, this is what happened. What do you think they're thinking? Yeah, we know the rest of the story. You've been trying to get Joseph to do this for a while, and he has not yielded. He has not given in to your request. And now you've found a way to trap him. They know this is going on, but not a single one sticks up for him. Then she spoke with him. With words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. Now, if you're Joseph, you probably went over this with the household staff. You probably did not go over this with the husband. Potiphar was probably left out of all this. If, if I was Joseph, I would have left this out. I wouldn't want to be bringing this. Because who, who do you think he's going to side with? So you just want to leave this thing out? You know, if you try to get her in trouble, then she's just going to turn on you. So he figured it was no good thing to talk to him about it. I don't know how much Potiphar believed him. But here's the thing I put for your outline here. The thing that an evil person conspired to do against Joseph succeeded. The thing that an evil person 
decided to do, conspired to do against Joseph, succeeded. And this is the second time. His brothers did it the first time. Had an evil conspiracy against them. And now we've got it a second time. That this woman conspired against Joseph and it succeeded. How many of you would be thinking with the lifestyle that Joseph lived, such a thing should be bound in heaven and not be able to happen? And yet two times it occurred. He was conspired against by his brothers, sold into slavery. They were going to kill him. He was conspired against by this woman. And he's thrown into prison for it as well. If you were Joseph and you had a prayer conversation with God, how many of you would have been including this situation with your prayer conversation with God? God, do you know that this woman is trying to... I pray your wisdom that you help me stay away from her, that you help me not be left alone with her, that other people are around to, to be witnesses and to help me out in this. How many of you would have been praying a prayer like that, asking God for help in those kind of situations? So how did it succeed? Verse 19, So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this matter, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, in the place where the king's prisoner was confined, and he was there in the prison. So he put him in the prison. Later on in uh, chapter 40, verse 3 and 4, we get a little more detail on that particular prison. Verse 3, So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he, he served them so that they were in custody for a while. He's in, the, he's in the custody in the house of the captain of the guard. The house of the what? Captain of the guard. This is Potiphar's prison. In the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. So, if Potiphar does not completely believe what had happened, he may, even if he believed it at first, I'm sure that after a while he came to find out this was not the case. This was not true. And Joseph is in the prison that's associated with his position. Then he could have said some things and done some things and probably told some things to the prison keeper about Joseph. But see, before when he was sold into slavery, he was put into a place where no one knows him. And he soared to the top. He became the best, the most, uh, most authority of anyone in the house. He had it. And then he gets put to a place where basically no one likes him. Now, if you're in prison and you go into prison and you are innocent. And people come to you and say, what did you do? Because what else are you going to do in prison? You've got to find out what all these other folks did. What did you do to get in prison? What did you do to get in here? And Joseph said, well, I, I'm innocent. No, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't do anything. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're all innocent. None of us have done anything. They may not believe him. Probably wouldn't believe him. Because just about everybody thinks that they're innocent in prison. Very few actually come out and say, hey, I did it. I'm serving the time. It may have gone on that when he got in there, He's in an Egyptian prison. He's a Jewish person. They may not have liked him. He's put into a place where he didn't. They didn't like him. More than likely. 
Verse 21, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. How was the Lord able to show him mercy? Because Joseph showed other people mercy. Every place he went, he showed mercy to people. And it opened the door for God to show him mercy. So that's the only thing that it says, that it showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So the keeper of the prison probably is not apt to give favor to anyone. We don't need a head slave like we do in Potiphar's house. But probably had a recommendation from Potiphar, possibly a recommendation from Potiphar, and said, this guy is outstanding in everything he does. You can put stuff in his hands and he will take care of it. Probably had a recommendation. May or may not have. I, don't, I sort of think he, he did. But the Lord gave him favor. He had mercy on him, gave him favor with the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. So he soared to the top pretty quickly on this. I seem to think that he was in prison less time than he was a servant for Potiphar's house. But we know that about two years had transpired from the time he interpreted the dreams once he was in this position of being over. He interpreted the dreams of the two people who were put in there. So um, I would say that it was probably at least three years he spent in there, but that's just a guess on my part. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. So three times in Joseph's life, first with his father, second with Potiphar, and here with the keeper of the prison. Three times in his life, everything in the house was put underneath him. And two of those times with Potiphar and with the keeper of the prison, we're told they didn't even look into whatever it is he did. They didn't need an account. Nothing. They took care of it all. Whatever he did with the prisoners was fine. Whatever he said was what was going to go. So that means the keeper of the prison doesn't have much of a job anymore, but still getting paid. He's the only one getting paid. Probably loves having Joseph around there. I put in your outline this. Notice how quickly the keeper of the prison trusts Joseph. Happens pretty fast. Now, if you were Joseph, might you be wondering a few things. Where is God in this? Where is God in this? We know he was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. We know he was 30 years old when he was put in a position by Pharaoh. That's 13 years. 13 years of living as a servant, a slave, and then as a prisoner. 13 total years. If my estimation is right, and again, it's a guess, If he was in the prison for three years, that would put him ten years as a servant. Some of those years were spent moving up in the ranks. But you might be asking, where is God in this? If you had been asking God for help when the situation with Potiphar's wife started to come up and she still succeeded, how many of you would be asking the question, where is God in this? Why is this being allowed to go on? Here's another question. Why was a lie allowed to stand against the truth? Why was a lie allowed to stand against the truth? Her lie stood against his truth, didn't it? Where was the testimony of those underneath him? There were people that were underneath him that he helped and he brought along and did some good things for. Why did they not rise up and testify and say, hey, Joseph didn't do this. This has been going on for a while. But they were afraid for their own lives and stood back. Now, as far as the type of Christ we looked at before, we see that Joseph 
has resistance to temptation and that Joseph's faithfulness despite the lack of it around him. Joseph is faithful even though the people around him are not. And isn't that what Jesus does? And all this happens because Joseph walks in a certain manner. In uh, chapter 41, verse 14, we see the end result here. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. So Pharaoh, what happened before this is uh, the, uh, I forget which one it was, the baker or the cupbearer, had come to him and said, hey, when I was in prison, um, you had uh, put two of us in there, and one died, and I was brought back into place. Well, Joseph is the guy who interpreted our dreams, and we had them down there. Uh, you might want to, you might want to get him. Now, if you were Joseph and you were thinking that God had let you down and that God had not come through for you in the matter with Potiphar's wife, if you had thought that God had not helped you in the matter of being put into prison, if you had thought that God had not helped you in the matter with your brothers and you were sold into slavery, are you still being faithful to the things that God has given you to do? Are you still being faithful to the talents and abilities that God has put in your, in your care? He continued to be faithful with the things that God put through him. And one of them was the interpretation of dreams. Now in Joseph's Joseph life, he never did anything spectacular like preach the gospel. He never did anything like prophesy. He never did anything like get people healed, call down fire from heaven, lead people out of Egypt. Never did anything like that. Nothing spectacular. All we know that he did that was supernatural was interpret dreams. And the rest of it was just organizing. He was an organizer. He was a business guy. And he let the wisdom of God work through him for those things. And yet Joseph is ranked pretty high up there as far as Old Testament heroes. So he's still going out. He's still interpreting those dreams. We only have two of them that he did in the prison. There are probably other ones he did as well. But those are the only two that mattered as far as the story was concerned. So they called for Joseph. He said, go get this Joseph guy. And as they called for him, he's in the prison. I'm sure he doesn't have a, a whole lot of shower capabilities there. Maybe he had a little bit more than other people did. But he, they brought him out. And he shaved because his beard just was growing. And we wanted to be looking good. Probably had to get his hair cut. Change his clothes. Get a bath. So he doesn't smell of, the, of that. That takes some time. You're not looking at in five minutes he was before the presence of Pharaoh. It could have been an hour. It could have been two hours. It was a little bit of time going on. In the meantime, this is on Pharaoh's mind. So Pharaoh's asking some question. Who is this Joseph's guy? And it happens to be that the captain of his guard is who? Potiphar. And so Potiphar probably comes and said, I can tell you something about him. He was a, he was a slave in my household. And I eventually came to the place where I turned my entire house over to him because everything I put in his hand was successful. But you know my wife. You know what kind of manner of woman she is. Because if you're that manner of woman, folks, it's not, you don't keep that a secret. You know what kind of manner of woman she is. And she brought accusation against him. And I had no choice but to side with her. But I didn't want to. Because my business did a whole lot better when it was under Joseph than it is now. I had to put him in prison. But he's in charge of the entire prison. He runs the whole place. They give him the keys. And he stays in there because that's where he's supposed to be. He's a man of character that you just have never seen before. And no matter what problem we came up with in the house, he had a way to solve it. He had a way to, get her, to, to fix it. 
It was amazing watching him work. I've never seen somebody head up a house the way that he did it. So he's probably talking about all these things that Joseph had done. And so by the time Joseph comes into the room, now when we get to heaven, you can ask Potiphar and Joseph, all those guys that they're there in heaven, but you can at least ask Joseph, did that happen? And Joseph will probably tell you, yeah, it did. He got the whole rundown. See, nowadays we just Google it, but they didn't have that, so they had to ask people. And so he probably asked Potiphar, you know, tell me about this guy. And so Potiphar filled him in. And so when he comes, Joseph is not a stranger to him. He knows about him. He's called the captain of the guard. He's been under your care for the last couple of years. Tell me about Joseph. And the captain of the guard probably filled him in and told him, this is what's been going on. This is what he's been doing. This is what I've been able to accomplish with him being in there. So he has this testimony because this is the way he lives his life. And so because he lived his life that way, with men, the door is open. Now he goes on and he interprets the dream. He tells the dream what's going to happen. Here's the, here's the, uh, uh, the end result. This is what he says because of the interpretation of the dream. Verse 34, let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years. He does this off the top of his head instantly. He tells them exactly how much to collect each year in order to get through it. How many of us would have to be doing studies? We need to be doing some field studies. We need to be doing some expectation studies. What kind of things do we expect to come in for the next seven years so that we can plan out what we need to do. He doesn't. Right off the top of his head, he says, this is what you do. One-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of uh, produce, you collect it. And let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then the food shall be a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? How does he know that the Spirit of God is in him? Because of what transpired in the last couple of minutes? He knows it because of Potiphar. Potiphar probably even came and said, He serves the Lord God Jehovah. And all the time he was with me, he wouldn't worship the idols, the the gods of, of Egypt. He only would worship his God, Jehovah. And his God constantly made everything in his hand prosper. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. What setup does that sound like? Exactly the same as happened with Potiphar, and happened with the keeper of the garden. Who do you think he was talking to? The same people who had the same arrangement with him. So it's basically this. You're going to charge the entire, the entire country. I'm going to be Pharaoh, and I'm taking it easy from now on. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand. It was on Pharaoh's hand. He had not put this signet ring in anyone else's hand. This is not Joseph taking over a position that someone else has. He says, you're going to need this signet ring more than I am because you're going to be doing all this business. So I'm going to take it off my hand. I'm giving it to you. You use that signet ring. It's like you saying, Pharaoh, 
And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And he is not an Egyptian. He's a foreigner. Was he held back by the fact that he was a foreigner? Was he held back by the fact that he did not worship the God of the Egyptians? Was he held back by the fact that he spoke a different language? He was not held back by any of that. Why? Because of the way he conducted his life. If you conduct your life the way that God says to conduct it, you will open up doors and avenues for people to bring things to you, for people to do things for you, for opportunities to arise. Opportunities that will bless you if you will do what God says to do. Now, it doesn't mean that you do it for a week. It doesn't mean that you do it for two weeks. It doesn't mean that you live this way for a year. It means you commit that this is how I am going to live. This is what I am going to do. What God says, I do. What God says don't do, I don't do. And I conduct my life that way. And if it takes 13 years like it did for Joseph, of you facing opposition and, and people who were against you, of you facing people who conspired against you and even succeeded, you say, I will do what God called me to do. I will do it the way God said I am to do it. I will operate my life the way God said to conduct myself. I will not have worry, fear, and anxiety in my life. I will keep those things out. I will not have bitterness and unforgiveness come into my life. I will keep those things out because my God said to keep those things out. I will be diligent and I will be faithful, not because my boss deserves it, but because I serve the living God. I will be on time, not because everybody around me is on time, but because my God wants me to be on time. I will conduct my business in such a way as if someone is looking over my shoulder, even if no one is. And you conduct yourself this way. If you do this, you open up the doors for God to do things for you. If you do it that way, if you operate in that way. But what most of us do is that we give our thinking and our conversation over to the wrong type of things And then our actions become different. And we're different towards people. Joseph wasn't this way. He kept his thinking right. You see, sometimes the the accuser, we talked about the accuser before, the accuser of the brethren comes in, sits on your ear and whispers that so-and-so, your co-worker, is conspiring against you, is doing this against you, is whatever. And you begin to think about these things. And it changes the way that you act towards them. Don't be doing it. Don't be given to those kind of thinking. What does the Word of God say that you think about other people? It's real clear. Think the best. Hope all things. Believe all things. That's what you should be doing. But we don't follow God's way. We'd rather follow in the other way. If you follow in that way, you do not open this door up. But you follow in the way that Joseph walked and that others walked after him. And God can open up avenues for people to do things and for favor to come your way, and it will be good if you will do it this way. Now, this was not a big deal. This was kind of a small deal. But I remember when I first started over Ken's Pizza, and I was working in there, and, and we were doing some things. You know, I was mopping floors, mopping floors. This was not a big big deal, but it was big at the, at the time. And I was going on through, and I was mopping floors the way my mom taught me to mop floors. 
Mom didn't know she was training me for work. Taught, taught me how to mop floors. And I, I didn't think this was a big deal. I didn't see how this was a, anything possible of a big deal. But I was mopping the floors and I was going on through first night there. First night on, on, on board with the manager. I think I was on two other nights before, but first night with the manager. He was working with me and he was much watching me mop the floors. And I'm mopping the floors the way I always mop the floors. And he looked at me and he goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm just mopping the floors. He says, you're mopping under the ovens. I said, well, yeah. I mop under the ovens. He says, I can't get anybody to mop under the ovens. You actually are going under the tables and you're mopping under the tables. You're mopping under the ovens. I said, yeah, well, that's what you're supposed to do. And I just went about and do it. What I found out was he went back and he gave me a raise retroactive to my first day. Just off the bat, because no one else would do this sort of stuff. Well, he eventually got fired. <laughs> he was not doing some things he should do. He was, uh, this is the kind of atmosphere I came into. I, I, I told God, dear God, why in what world am I in this place? Because uh, one of the things, and I'm only going to tell you this one, one of the things that was going on was he was going out back and dealing with drugs. He was selling drugs. Well, the, um, the company got wind of it and fired him right away. So they came on in and said, he's gone. He's fired. And so the area general manager, his boss, who's over all the Ken's Pizzas in our, our I think pretty much our city. He, he, he's over all of them. He came in and was our manager. So now I'm working for him. And he was watching me do stuff and he's watching me work. He says, he says I, I've never seen anybody work like that. And he gave me a raise. He gave, right away, gave me a raise. And then when they got a manager to take over, they said, I want you to take this guy. I want you to train him up. And before the year was out, I started school in the, in the fall, you know, September, whatever it was. I don't know what time, what, August or September. I had the job there. By the time December rolled around, I was already a shift leader and in training to be an assistant manager. Because the area general manager saw some of the things I did and, and he just he thought that was, that was cool. But you see, if you operate in a certain way, you will open doors for, pe- for people to do things for you. But if you're always thinking, don't like this boss. Don't like these co-workers. They're no good. It will affect the way that you perform with them. You can't, you can't do it. That's not the way God told you to, to operate. It's not the way God told you to work. If you operate and do things the way God says, you will open the doors of blessings to come to you. People will find ways. Remember with Potiphar? He looked for stuff. He found stuff to put under Joseph's hand until pretty soon everything was under Joseph's hand. Keeper of the guard, put everything under Joseph's hand. Now here's the most remarkable one. Pharaoh, who originally hired him to be over this new program of storing food, getting ready for the famine, before the conversation is out, he says, you know what? We're just going to give it all to you. I'm giving you the whole country. Just run the whole thing. Run the whole country. <laughs> and he was ready for it because he conducted himself in such a way all the time. He took what God had given him and the ability to work with people, work with things, and manage and organize. He took that ability and he used it to the best that he could. And even though it looked like he was moving down, he stayed faithful. Even though people didn't support him with his uh, servants. They didn't come in and say, hey, uh, your wife is the, is the problem here, not Joseph. Even though other people knew that and they didn't support him. 
he still stayed with it. Remember we saw David before. David didn't have people that supported him. Even though that wasn't going on, he still continued to go in that direction. These are things we can do. But you see, it, it, it's more than just the stuff that we do at our job. Sickness and disease. This works for sickness and disease. If you keep thinking negatively about sickness and disease, if you keep thinking negatively about your body, if you keep thinking and pondering on these things, you're going against what the Word of God says to do. And when you go against what the Word of God says to do in these things, you are opening the door for sickness and disease to come. But you can close that door too. You can bind it up. Don't be, don't be in fear. And don't be talking about it this way. The way that you deal with people. You want people to, to operate a certain way to you? Operate that way towards them. Whether they deserve it or not. If you do, you will open the door for them to do the same thing to you. Now, the, we looked at it last, last week. Just because one person doesn't, what's God then do? He goes find another. And if they turn it down, what's he then go and do? He goes and he finds another. He will keep finding people until he finds one who's willing. Because God won't make them bless you. But he'll bless them if they do. He won't make them bless you. But he will bless them if they do. What's the word of God say about Abraham? I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. He can't make them bless and curse, but whatever direction they decide to do shows what God can do for them. I put this in your outline, I believe. The manner in which you walk, think, act, and treat others will follow you even if it's done in secret. Don't think that anything you do in secret well, I'm just talking to a couple of my friends about this. Don't think anything you do in secret stays in secret. Even if you can keep it secret, you have charged the spiritual atmosphere with things. Don't do it. Stay positive about the people that are around you. Stay positive about the things that God has blessed you with. Stay positive about the things that God has, has given you as talents and abilities to do. And just keep doing them. Just keep going up. Joseph is just a fantastic example of this, that he kept doing what God said to do. And after 30 years, the door opened up and he became the most powerful man in the most powerful country in the world at that time. Joseph. And folks, God can bless you in the same way. But you've got to keep the doors open. We're not just looking to open up things from heaven to us. We're also looking to open up things from other people to us. And in order to do that, this is the way you have to operate. Joseph is a great one to study. We did about four or five weeks of study on him some, uh, some time ago. I don't know if we still have those tape CDs, things like that around. If anyone's interested in it, I'll see if I can find them. But he's a great guy to study. Fantastic manner. Because what manner of life are you truly walking in? Is your secret life different from your public life? What manner of life are you walking in? Let's walk in a manner like Joseph so that everything that is put in our hands, everything that is put in our hand gets blessed. And things just have a way of finding us. But even if they don't, 
even if you run into things like Joseph and you have a Potiphar's wife experience or you have a, other people in the house who don't support you experience or you have a David experience where you go and you save the city and they're ready to turn you over to Saul. Even if you have that, go on. Stay with the things of God. Stay with what God said to do. Because there's two ways that you open this up. You open up what God can do to you and you open up what men will do to you or do for you. You can open up both ways. Oh, I'll tell you what's a blessing when God pours out blessings on us. But thank God also that there are times we walk in and we have the favor of men and they do things for us as well. Isn't it great when your boss gives you a raise, gives you a promotion, when good things happen? That's a wonderful thing. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the example of Moses, or John, <laughs> Joseph. Thank you, Father, for that. So we, thank you for the way we can, we can watch him and see the things that he went through. We can put ourselves in his position and wonder, what would I have done? What would my prayers have been like? What would my ex- expectations have been like? And what would my reaction have been if I went through these things and had a Potiphar's wife experience? If I had it, my co-workers didn't support me. If I had it, my brothers turned against me and wanted to kill me. Father, you turned that situation around. Oh, what a neat thing it was to watch. But we sometimes lose sight of how hard it was for Joseph in all those years. It turned around for him very, very quickly. But nothing seemed to be different even up to the day before. Father, you are working on our behalf as long as we operate the way that you told us to. Help us not only learn these principles, but to keep them in mind all the time. And not to worry, fear, be anxious, keep bitterness away from us, walk in forgiveness, let the love of God pour out from us, believe the best in those that are around us, to in malice be as babes, to keep doing what God has called us to do, despite the opposition, despite what it is that we face. Father, you are turning things around on our behalf, even if we can't see it. Every head bowed, no one looking around. If you're here today and you say, I have a situation similar to Joseph, looks kind of bleak, looks kind of dark, but I am encouraged that God is working on my behalf. And if I have not been, I will make sure that the principles of how I live my life that open the doors for opportunities for me, I will make sure that those things are foremost in my mind. That describes you. Something similar to it. Raise your hand. We want to be praying for you this week. Not going to make you come forward or anything like that. Father, you see the hands that are there. I thank you, Father, that you are working on their behalf. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name.
Amen. I have one prayer request and a praise report and another. All right. Ara says, I praise God for my wonderful church family that I have found at Zoe Christian Fellowship and I thank God for the love of the Lord Jesus Christ which has been shown to me in so many ways. Amen. We thank God for you too. He said that next week is her last time here for at least a little while. We'll have a nice send-off over at the picnic that we have next, next Sunday. At the Waters, praise report for a speedy recovery on Wednesday from pain with my teeth. Very suddenly my, pe- my teeth started to hurt and the pain spread pretty quickly along the right side of my face. Instead of trying to figure out what was wrong, I began to meditate on the teaching about how uh, teaching of something comes to us also has to go. I prayed for it to go and asked the Wednesday night crew to agree with me and it went, giving thanks to God for his word, healing power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit for putting me in remembrance. Amen. And um, my mom has a prayer request. A friend who has visited here a few times and lives in Delaware. She uh, recently had a stroke that had devastated her. She asked our church that we would pray for her healing. Please pray the Lord would heal her and share with her the message of salvation that she might receive the one who has power to heal and the power to save. Amen. I was talking to her about this earlier earlier in the week. So she had asked us specifically to pray. She's not a believer. So how we can pray for that, we're going to pray for, for believers that are near where she is at to be raised up and go into her room, go into where she's at and minister to her that uh, Jesus is alive and well. And because uh, Jesus will heal saved and unsaved, never qualified people to be uh, healed, whether they're saved or unsaved. So we're just going to pray for that. Let's all stand up. Father, we thank you that you are working on behalf of this, this woman and bringing someone along, that, along her path to lay hands on her and declare to her the healing power of God, that she would receive her healing and the message of salvation. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, if any of you are coming on back to 1 o'clock today, we're going to be into, I believe it's chapter 10 and into chapter 11 of Revelation, looking at the two witnesses. They're the ones that are up here, for us, uh, as well as some other things. That will be going on. Wednesday night, we're on John the Baptist. We're going to be looking at why baptism came about to begin with. How did we get the idea of dunking people under the water? And um, some other things about John's uh, ministry, the things that he had done there. And then next Sunday, of course, we have the church picnic. We're putting your bowls in, you know, what you, you can bring salads, desserts, stuff like that. We're going to have the meat and drinks there. You just uh, bring some other things to fill in on the, on the side with that. And then come on out and enjoy the fellowship of each other. Uh, bring your swimsuits if you want to go swimming. Or if you just want to sit around, that's fine too. We're going to have a baptismal service in the beginning. If anyone wants to get baptized, anyone knows about getting baptized, I was talking with a few people about it last Sunday. So we'll have that to start off the, the picnic with before we um, get everything else going on. So... Hope to see you all then, see some of you on Wednesday and some of you at the class here this afternoon.